ABC Listen. Podcasts, radio, news, music and more. To beat England like that, you know, they beat us in the rounds and um, everyone loved tagging us in um, what Helen said and how they're fitter and how they're more energetic than us and that just got like everything fighting and we really wanted to beat Jamaica so we could play against these guys again. That's retiring Diamond star Ash Brazel speaking after Australia beat England to grab the one trophy missing from their cabinet the Netball World Cup. The Roses showed some thorns coming into the game. They claimed they were fitter. A champion team taking on a team of champions. As Brazel's kind of noted, the English picked an odd time to deliver the Australians a little bit of extra motivation. Today we unpack the Diamonds' stunning achievement. I'm Patrick Stack. This is ABC Sport Daily. Brittany Carter is the ABC's netball writer and commentator. She's in Cape Town for the World Cup. She's pretty much retired from sleep in order to talk to us. Britt, thank you for making time. First things first, just describe the scenes of jubilation you witnessed courtside. Oh, well, obviously the green and gold Diamonds fans were very happy indeed to get the World Cup back. The Diamonds have done it. They are the world champions. This was the only one missing, and what a fantastic performance it has been. There was a huge contingent of friends, family, parents here cheering on the Diamonds players, so that was amazing to see little pockets of the crowd go up. Of course, there were plenty of uh, English fans there in red to support their team that ultimately wasn't able to get the job done. It still was, you know, pretty special to see the Diamonds do what they did tonight in front of a, a lively crowd. What about the Diamonds? You know, seriously emotional scenes. It was the one trophy missing from the cabinet. Talk us through what you saw there as the sort of emotion spilled over at the conclusion of this win. Yeah, well, it's interesting, you know, because Ash Brazel, it was her final ever game in netball. It'll be the last time I ever take the court. I will never play a social game because how can anything get better than this? Any sport will happen, but yeah, netball, I'm finishing on a high and I've loved every moment of it. She made her announcement that she was going to retire really early on in the Super Netball season. And obviously midway through that domestic season, Collingwood decided that they weren't going to continue next year with their Super Netball licence. So that team is now defunct. And there's been a lot of hardship, I think, there this year, as well as Sophie Garbin, who was involved with Collingwood, as Nicole Richardson, who's the assistant with the Diamonds, that she was head coach at the Pies. And to reach you know, the heights of the biggest game in world netball, I think, showed in those final minutes and particularly for Ash Braz knowing that that is her final ever game in a netball dress. Like, it was so funny. There was probably like a minute to go and she was already celebrating because the score was so far blown out that Australia knew they were going to win. And one of her teammates had to tap her on the back and say, mate, we've still got to send a pass to go. Like, don't go too early. It was two minutes ago and Joe was crying and I was like... We've got this, and to celebrate, I guess, as a team, with the game still going, it's probably not professional, but you can't, can't hide those emotions. As a collective, the Diamonds, it really felt like, I've been saying this the whole time, that this was more of a champion team rather than a team of champions and throughout the whole tournament we've seen all 12 players get on court at some point and play their role so while the full 12 didn't go through today certainly everyone contributed to that result so really pleasing to see that team getting together to win back the world cup it's interesting you talk about the team aspect of it and it was really intriguing to hear Ash Brazel speak in the wake of the victory talking about some of the comments that England had made 
after beating the Diamonds earlier in the tournament. And the Roses had been pointed in many ways coming into this game. What did they say? And is there a sense that they kind of poked the bear a little bit here? Yeah, I think so, a little bit. I mean, Helen Housby sort of said that she thought their team were fitter. Pressure either makes you or breaks you. Um, and I think in that last quarter, we wanted it more. And I think we looked like the stronger team. I think we looked fitter. And, and yeah, we wanted the ball in our hands. It was only four days ago in the final game of the preliminary stages that England beat Australia by one goal. It really went down to the last, you know, five or so minutes of of the match. So for them to then say, oh, we wanted it more, we were fitter, I think they did poke the bear in a way, England. And the biggest thing we've seen here and also in Birmingham now in the Commonwealth Games is when the Diamonds lose to a team in the preliminary stages, they learn from that. And so it's almost dangerous to lose that earlier meet. You want to win the, the second one. The first one doesn't matter as much. So, yeah, maybe England will learn something from that and, and maybe not be so happy to talk about that stuff and, and sledge, I guess. Because it wasn't just Helen Housby as well. It was the coach of England suggesting that they saw themselves as stronger as a collective. I think our strength is in the collective and their strength very much lies with individuals. From what we saw in the way that Stacey was able to use her squad in this fixture, does it sort of fly in the face of those comments? Yeah, and what is interesting now is that Jess is almost backtracking a little bit. I know the girls' effort was there, but we just weren't quite smart enough against a seasoned finalist team. You know, the difference between being in 12 of them and us being in for the first time. You can see the difference today. It's funny that after the preliminary match win, they were happy to run their mouths. But now after the final win, they're sort of backtracking and saying, oh, well, yeah, Australia are our number one world team. It's a very different change of tone. So I think Jess Felby sometimes rubs people up the wrong way. You know, at the end of the day, the Diamonds got it done and they let their they let their game do the talking for them. I was particularly impressed with the way Kira Austin was used by Stacey Marinkovic, player of the match, an outstanding performance. But such a brave decision, the way that Stacey used her bench, was that sort of a, a, you know, a make or break substitution in many ways? I mean, they were leading at the time. You would think that it would be easy enough to just sort of park the bus, so to speak. But Stacey Marinkovic was showing that she was going for it. Yeah, I think that was a really interesting change. And like you said, pretty bold because... Throughout the preliminary stages, Stacey rotated full, through her full 12. So sometimes in matches we were seeing one team and a, a whole different team by the next quarter. So almost a full new seven the next quarter from 15 minutes to 15 minutes. So I think when we got to these finals matches and we knew that they started to come up against tougher teams, we were expecting less changes. And we did see that today, knowing that I think there was only three changes made across the match, four maybe. And in those preliminary matches, she made maybe up to 18. I think that was the maximum she made against Fiji. In a way, they were really bold, but we had seen some of these combinations earlier in the tournament. I think the timing of the changes is what was key, right? Because she didn't let England get settled. And if you look at how many substitutions the Roses made, the list is just off the page. And they did that in the preliminary match as well. They just kept rotating and rotating. And it really put the Diamonds on the back foot because they couldn't adjust. So I think Stacey's changes were a bit more pointed. They had a bit more meaning to them. And 
Yeah, Kira Austin, like, I, I didn't expect her to get a go in, in the final, if I'm totally honest, and she's a fantastic player, but she hasn't really been their go-to goal attack. I think the other key change was Sophie Garbin bringing her on around the same time in goal shooter. I think Stacey Marinkovic, one thing she does well is she learns from her mistakes and she's done that now with Jamaica when we lost to them in the Com games in the preliminary stages and then beat them in the gold medal match and same here with England. So, yeah, the game plan was really solid and England just faded. They just weren't able to match up to it. Australia leaves the tournament with the trophy, but other nations will leave with plenty of hope. Is there a sense that the rest of the world is closing the gap on the diamonds? In some ways, I can see where people are coming from because this was the first final in 28 years that we haven't seen Australia and New Zealand, top two teams in the world, play out for that final. So in that respect, New Zealand failed to medal here and it's the first time in six years they've never been able to get one medal at least. But they also had a huge injury earlier in the tournament and I think if they'd had their tall target in Grace Nwecky in the, sh- in the shooting circle, it might have been a different story. So Jamaica certainly is surging and I think Australia almost played their final yesterday in the semi against them. That was probably the most dangerous prospect that we had coming up against Jamaica and even Ash Braz said... For me, um, Jamaica was probably the scary one. It was weird coming into England not having the fear that I probably had against Jamaica because against Jamaica, you're not really worrying about the cup. You're worrying about... You know, if we lose to these guys, we might not medal at all. I don't think I've ever felt so nervous coming up against Jamaica before. The last 12 months, two or three amazing games, if you count the preliminary match and then the gold medal match at Birmingham and then now this one here in the semifinals. Like, I think Jamaica still probably are such a dangerous prospect and knowing that six of their players play in Super Netball week on week and they're growing onto these high-performance systems in Australia, it's only a matter of time before their mid-court gets picked up because that's probably the link they're missing at the moment. So their bookends are really strong. They have so much depth in their circles. It's not funny. In the shooting circle, they have uh, Janelle Fowler, who is the captain, right? Wow, that was a great lean from Kataka. But you can't stop Fowler, can you? Absolutely. And Romelda Aiken-George, who is sitting on the bench, can't get a go because uh, Janelle's so good. Romelda was one of the shooters for the Swifts in the Super Netball Grand Final this year. So that just shows how much depth they have inside both of their bookends. But in the middle of the court, all of those players currently play in Jamaica and they don't have the same contracts, professionalisation that the other players in that team are experiencing. So I think it's only a matter of time before their team starts to get picked up in that mid-court and they can improve their England, I mean, Helen Houseby and Elle Cardwell, they came to Super Netball again this year, both players in the final, so that helped. And New Zealand, as I've already alluded to, I think a little bit unlucky with that injury with Grace Nwacky. So, yeah, there is this sense of, of things closing up, but four years is a really long time and funding is such a big thing in netball. So Australia is really well-resourced and that's one of the reasons we've been so successful. People certainly think that the world order is changing. So, yeah, it seems to be the theme of the, the tournament. It's been a cracking tournament. Australia stands on top of the netball mountain. Brick Carter, thanks so much for your time. We appreciate it. No worries. Thanks for having me. 
headlines. Australia is holding its collective breath as the Matildas prepare to take on Denmark for a place in the quarterfinals at the Women's World Cup. Sam Kerr has played zero minutes to this point, but remains the story for the Tillies. And the coach says she will be good to go. Well, kind of. Here's Tony Gustafsson indicating he will have to tailor how he uses Kerr. How many minutes would be best suitable and, and looking at a 90-minute or potential extra time, how do I get the most out of a Sam Kerr in a game plan tomorrow? A reminder, you can listen to that game live and commercial-free on the ABC Listen app as Ned Hall and the team call all the action. Elsewhere, tournament heavies United States have been sent packing by Sweden in a nail-biting penalty shootout. Football icon Megan Rapinoe was one of those who missed, but ultimately the result was determined by a millimetre as American goalkeeper Alyssa Neha appeared to have saved Lena Hertig's decisive penalty, but on review, VAR showed it had just crossed the line by a millimetre. So the Swedes went through. It's confirmed! We had to wait what seemed like an eternity, but Lena Hurtig's effort had crept over the line by millimetres. Alyssa Nair cannot believe it, and the World Cup shocks just keep on coming. Incredible scenes. The ashes are sadly over, but... Cricket waits for nothing. The next big ticket item is nearly upon us with the ODI World Cup coming up and Australia has picked its preliminary 18-man squad. Marnus Labuschagne has been left out of the group entirely. Better news for New South Wales leggy Tanvir Sanger and WA all-rounder Aaron Hardy, who gained births. Selectors have also chosen a T20 squad and the two groups will head to South Africa for eight white ball fixtures before the ODI group goes to India for three pre-World Cup warm-ups. The AFL world is reeling following Collingwood star Nick Dacos telling reporters his knee has been, quote, smashed to smithereens. The 20-year-old says he won't need surgery for the hairline fracture, but the race is on to get him back for the second or maybe third week of the finals. The Magpies, they've gone from red-hot premiership favourites to cooling ever so slightly. It all feels a little bit more open. Golf and Bryson DeChambeau has shot an astonishing final round 58 to win the Live Greenbrier title. That is 12 under for the tournament final 18. It's close. It's incredible! Absolutely incredible! 58! Yikes. I'm Patrick Stack. This is ABC Sport Daily, produced by Poppy Penny. Thanks to Fox Sports, Sky Sports, Live Golf and Optus Sport for the extra audio used in this episode. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.